calling according to God's definition is not really about me or you. It's actually about the caller. It's about someone who's calling me for something other than myself. It's not just to be just rich, make a lot of money, to, to ha- be successful, but it's actually about serving people. So I define calling as God's personal invitation for me to work on his agenda by unleashing by unique gifts and my talents and passions in order to glorify him. Are you a follower of Jesus that feels called to expand the kingdom of God through building and growing successful businesses? If that's you, then welcome to the Kingdom Capitalist Show that interviews amazing Christians using their business and money-making abilities to expand God's kingdom all over the globe. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Kingdom Capitalist Show. I'm your host, Ellis Hammond, and another fantastic episode coming for you, an incredible guest, best-selling author, leadership coach. Uh, I'm going to introduce him here in a minute. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but has really done an incredible job uh, serving millennials. And so if you're a millennial, uh, you're trying to figure out how do you really find success uh, in what you're doing, find, but more importantly, find significance in what you're doing. This is going to be a really powerful episode for you today. Uh, but just two things I wanted to, to say before we get started. Uh, they've done an amazing job helping promote this show. And I said last week, uh, if, if anybody would take a screenshot of this episode and share it to their social media pages and and the more social media pages you share it to, the more likely I was to give you a shout out. And only a few people actually took me up on it. And so one of the guys I want to give a shout out today to is uh, my friend Jesse DeLillo. Thank you, brother, for giving us uh, um, a recommendation on LinkedIn and sharing us uh, your review. Jesse is the CEO of JSJ Sustainable Investments. He is a uh, he operates out of multiple markets throughout the country with turnkey rentals. He uh, services communities by purchasing distressed homes for renovation, thereby improving the overall value of the surrounding homes and rejuvenating the neighborhoods and allows investors of all types to come alongside of them in that work. And so, Jesse, thanks again for your work, brother, um, and just that value of a kingdom capitalist of using your business to renew neighborhoods. Thanks so much. And speaking of real estate entrepreneurs, uh, we have an incredible mastermind called Kingdom Capitalist. It's not just the name of the show, but it's also our mastermind group specifically geared now for real estate entrepreneurs. And we have our first in-person event in Orlando, Florida coming up in April. That's an exclusive event for our mastermind community. And so uh, if, if that's who you are, if you're really loving this content, if you want to be around more people who are trying to figure out how do we build and grow wealth in our businesses and acquire assets for the glory of God. I'd love to have a conversation with you. All you have to do is go to kingdomcapitalist.co. You can learn more about our mastermind there. Uh, So without further ado, let me make a quick introduction to our guests, and then I'm going to bring them on. So Paul Son is a leadership coach. He's a best-selling author and speaker. And when I say best-selling author, I've actually read his book when I was in college ministry, uh, Quarter Life Calling. It was, a, it was a guide, essentially, that I would give to a lot of my students who were transitioning out of or about to graduate and kind of launch into this season of, of business and work. And so it was just an excellent resource that I really took a ton from and that I actually gifted 
to so many other people. So it's so cool to have him on the show today. He, uh, he was formerly employed by a Fortune 50 company um, and is now doing all kinds of great things. He's about to start teaching at Biola University. A couple of cool things. You were, you were named top 33 under 33 for Christian millennials to follow by Christianity Today. And you received the John C. Maxwell Transformational Leadership Award. So what a, what's some, that's two really cool things. And most, maybe not most importantly, but really also interesting. You love Korean food, tennis, and traveling. <laughs> Paul, man, welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Alice. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, favorite or most recent place that you traveled? Oh, man. That, that you, that you want to share? Well, you know, I just got married about nine months ago, and uh, one of the places we really enjoyed, obviously, is uh, Hawaii because, uh, you know, it was our honeymoon destination, but also being able to go, uh, you know, not with other people with my wife, you know, made it a lot more special. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's probably one that kind of comes on top of my head right now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. in the Korean food, man. So I'm out here in San Diego, which, you know, we have a great scene, but another cool story, my wife and I. We traveled to, uh, we went to Thailand last year, and on the way back, we had a, a delay in, in Korea, and so we jumped on a train just to go nice. get Korean food, and then we oh, came man. back. <laughs> That's awesome, man. I love so, Korean food. <laughs> it was excellent. It was excellent. So, anyways, uh, we there at least we have we have some we have some of that in common. <laughs> For sure. But uh, I'm I'm excited to uh, bring you on and, and and talk a little bit to our audience. Um, really about some of these main ideas in that book because they were so powerful for me and uh and as a millennial and trying to think about my work as something that uh you know not just to be successful in but to find significance in and i think your your story is probably uh very relevant to to intro this conversation and so tell our audience just a little bit about um yeah your journey from working from this top 50 you know company to, to where you are now, how you got there. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to share my story because it's kind of an interesting turn. Um, all my life, I felt like I've lived this linear path, right? Where you go into good school, you get into get good grades, get into good college and get a good job. And, you know, back in college, my dream was to become the youngest chief human resource officer at a Fortune 500 company and had this big vision, big dream, Got into my dream job working for a company called Boeing, you know, Fortune 50 company, working my way up in the corporate ladder, making a lot of money in my early mid-20s, but feeling very miserable. And honestly, I didn't really feel why I was feeling miserable. I just thought it was just something that would go away. Mm -hmm. But uh, about six months went by, a nine months entire year went by, and I'm just dreading it. And I thought to myself, man, if I got into this dream job, I thought I would fulfill my this happiness and achieve this, um, this incredible feeling of like, okay, I finally made it, but it somehow failed to deliver. And I honestly didn't know why um, I was feeling this. But you know, I remember just waking up Monday morning, just trying to figure out like it, going to work and feeling like just I'm a cog in a wheel. And um, really just I would consider that time my quarter life crisis because I didn't really know where I was going anymore. I didn't really know who I was anymore. I felt stuck. I felt like I, 
just uh, needed answers to these questions I had. So uh, long story short, ended up, uh, ended up having this kind of a burning bush moment with God one day, just praying out to him and asking God, God, why am I feeling so empty? Why am I feeling so disillusioned with my life? And I felt God was saying to me, Paul, you've been asking the wrong questions all your life. And that's when it dawned on me that everything in my life was about what I wanted, what kind of school I wanted to go into, what kind of job I wanted to have. Everything revolved around me and I never asked the question to God, God, what is your plan for my life? So um, ended up sharing the story with my mentor the next day and he gave me a book that uh, just really changed my life and said, Paul, do you realize that God has a calling? He has a purpose for your life and you have to start discovering that. And I was about probably around 24 around the time and I started asking myself all these questions and God to God, what is my calling and start reading every single book I can find on my calling. You know, long story short, after four or five years, I felt God wanted me to move out of my job at Boeing. And that was a very difficult uh, transition just because I didn't have any job lined up. I had to take a risk. Uh, and my parents initially, they really, you know, was against my decision mm -hmm. in many ways. But deep inside, I really felt that I had to write this book that God burdened my heart for this generation. And if you're a millennial, you probably uh, have either you're thinking about it or your friends about, you know, what is my calling? How do I live this life for the glory of God? What is the purpose and meaning of my life? These are some real existential questions that many of us are asking in any some uh, way or fashion. And I just felt God wanted me to share my story and, and really help and guide others through this journey. So ended up writing this book. God started to use this book in mighty ways, just blew up. And, you know, that's an entire story of itself. But started going around the world, speaking, interacting, providing workshops for millennials on how to practically find your calling. So did that about four years. And uh, recently, uh, about six months ago, I transitioned into a Christian university called Biola University here in Southern California. And I'm, um, I'm teaching in the business school as well as uh, taking on the director role of the career and calling initiative here. So yeah, um, yeah. It, it's been a it's been a quite a ride. Um, so very it's grateful. interesting, like your story of, you know, the the dream was be the you know the, what do you say the the chief human resource officer right. and so i don't know how long ago whatever idea you know when it was that that idea was planted to you but mm -hmm. you just continue to you know do the steps necessary to get there without really asking the question why am i doing this where yeah. is god in this and just kind of and, and i think that's going to be so huge for our listeners because um we have this idea of success and what it looks like. Yeah. And most of the time it was probably given to us or planted to us at an early stage in life. And, you know, doing college ministry for six years, I see that all the time. People, I mean, they're, they're running themselves to death on this hamster wheel. So true. And right. And, and without ever asking the question, why are you doing this? And yeah. if you were to ask, actually press them, the answer for most millennials is because my parents told me to. Yeah, I mean, I think so many people are climbing the ladder of success, but once they reach the top, 
they realize the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. Mm. And I think that's the problem is we're living in a world addicted to speed. I have to do things faster than other people, but we rarely are asking the question of direction. Mm. Are we going into the direction that God wants me to go? And I think because that's the narrative of this world, it's, um, it's very difficult to pause and start really thinking about the direction of your life. Because if we're really honest, we think we probably spend more time planning a two-week vacation than really planning our lives. And I think that's just really a, a, a miss for a lot of us who are just constantly on this um, thing and we're busy and you know uh, things are happening and there's nothing wrong with that. But then I think you need to be intentional. Are we going into the direction that God wants us to go. Uh, If not, we seriously have to ask these questions to ourselves. I I love that. I mean, I do, I do believe in, I mean, I do believe in going fast and speed, but what you said there is really powerful. Like it doesn't matter how fast you're going, if you're going in the wrong direction, it's in vain. Right. And so uh, I, I so relate to that. And as a, it's so funny, I love having you on because I can kind of reflect back to my pastoral days where I would see the pressure of an internship literally destroy or, or I wouldn't say destroy, but really um, get in the way of God working in the lives of young people because they were so focused on the internships of their peers and what everybody else was doing that it really kept them from, from actually being able to make a real clear decision or even asking the question, what would actually God have me do this summer? You know, because they were so worried about, man, if I don't get this internship, like everybody else is going to do, my life is going to be a failure. Absolutely. And and we're not talking, and the way I, why I think this is so powerful, because we're not just talking about college students. Like, I think we as adults, we as kingdom capitalists, we do the same thing. Of course. Uh, we compare our lives to what everybody else is doing and yeah. not ask the question, am I really going in the right direction? Yeah. And I think, you know, a big part of that is because, uh, we're, we're experiencing an epidemic, much like the coronavirus is going on. I would say an epidemic of OCD, obsessive comparison disorder. Mm. And uh, this comparison thing is, is huge because social media is really our currency of communication and interaction for, for our generation. And there's nothing wrong with it. I use it. I mean, it's helpful keeping in touch with people. But if we're not careful... If you do not have the discernment and wisdom to see uh, things from a biblical and God-centered perspective, we often become just the victim of what we see out there. And that influences us and our beliefs. And the enemy knows that very well. And it's going to try to distort how we think of ourselves. So when I see people who are hustling and killing it, and they're just doing amazing things, you, you like that. But then Deep inside, you might be asking yourself, man, what am I doing with my life? You know, I, there's something wrong. And all my people, all friends and peers, they're, they're, they're traveling. They're, you know, doing all these amazing stuff, seem to be doing well in their career. But I feel stuck. Um, I feel depressed, feel anxious. I don't have people in my community that can go. So it just becomes a very, um, uh, you know, negative spiral. And I think... Uh, that that's a real issue that you know this generation is wrestling with. Yeah, no, that's so that's so key. So, um, 
Paul, before I, I want to get into this idea of calling in your book, I just like to pause and, and pray. Um, yeah. Actually, would you mind praying for us? For sure, and for and sure. then we can get Absolutely. in. Yeah, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for just giving us this opportunity to talk about something that really matters, that you have given us this life, that it is a gift. It is not just a coincidence, but we are here for a purpose, for a calling. And I just pray everyone who is listening, who is experiencing depression, anxiety, or just fear of the future, that you would just be with them. You would just Remind them of your love, your agape love, that you are a God who is sovereign, that you are a God who provides. So just please be with us during this time and this dialogue, that every one of us who are hearing this, that they would truly be impacted and have greater clarity uh, on, on the calling that you have on their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's start with calling. Define for us what you think calling is like, how do we, how do we even define that idea? Well, I think uh, calling uh, how, how the world defines it, I think is kind of this narcissistic self-development activity. So it's all about you, but calling according to God's definition is not really about me or you. It's actually about the caller. It's about someone who's calling me, for something other than myself. It's not just to be just rich, to make a lot of money, to, to ha be successful, but it's actually about serving people. So I define calling as God's personal invitation for me to work on his agenda by unleashing my unique gifts and my talents and passions in order to glorify him. So it's, a, it's an invitation and through that invitation, I'm helping the world or helping my neighbors, helping people in my community through the, this utilization of the gifts and desires and passions that God has given me. You know what I love about what you just said that there, um, I, which I don't know if I've ever actually made this distinction, but I think it's really, really good that calling not necessarily is a task it's much more of who you are and how god's made you mm. and i think that's so true in my own life right because i thought i was gonna be in ministry for forever but i'm not I, all of a sudden i'm not anymore right after six years I'm, I'm an entrepreneur but what's got me into entrepreneurship is the same gifts and skills that led me into ministry is my love to um, build communities and really right. come alongside people and help them get to the next level in their life and in their faith. And so that is, I think that was, that's an incredible insight that calling actually, it may be more important to figure out who you are and what your gifts are, what your talents are than to figure out what you should go do in life. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. I think oftentimes when we think of calling, we think about Moses, Abraham, or apostle Paul, where they had this divine encounter with the Lord and they heard the voice of God. And um, oftentimes we approach it, it that way where we're praying, where we're seeking the Lord, but we don't hear the actual audible voice of God. And we feel kind of dejected because we think about, is there something wrong about me or do I have to just wait? And there's a lot of doubt that comes with it. I, I truly believe that. Um, and this is my just 
my argument, perhaps the reason why that's in the Bible is not because it's a norm, but it's an exception, meaning that so many people may actually go end up end up dying and they may not hear actually the voice literally the literal voice of god but that doesn't mean we do not have a calling we do have a calling but how we actually discern our calling is not for most of us hearing the actual voice of god but it's actually learning how did god design me there's a purpose in any create creation uh mm -hmm. because there's a creator and god if he designed us and he, he created us he must has created us for a specific purpose. So for us, we need to be kind of a, kind of like those uh, archaeologists going and finding like different clues and hints. And we have a lot of that about that of ourselves in terms of how we're wired in our personality. What are some desires and and what I call your holy discontent? Um, also discovering. Just looking at your life experiences, I do uh, an activity in my workshops called life mapping. And as we spend two, three hours mapping out our lives with different uh, color, color sticky notes and stuff like that, you actually get to see from God's perspective, a 30,000 feet view of your life and how God has purposefully led you to certain people, certain circumstances, certain regions, because he's crafting a beautiful story. And he's calling us not just to be a passive spectator, but he wants us to be a co-author of the story. So spending time reflecting on your past, which will help you inform your future. So all, all that said, there's a lot that I kind of threw out there. Yeah. But that no. is a huge part of discovering your calling. All right, so this will be fun. So we're gonna let's get interactive if it's okay, Paul. We don't have two to three hours today, right? Which <laughs> that it sounds like an amazing activity. We have I don't know, let's say the next thirty minutes or so, and we can spend some of this on this. But like, let's go there. Like you know, people are listening to this in the gym or they're listening to this on their way to work right now. This idea of beginning to kind of figure out that question is so important. What is my calling? Who am I? What like, let's start that. Let's at least start that process. Where do you help people um, or, or what's the starting point to begin to identify? Like, what, what are some of these questions or indicators that we can begin to ask today? Yeah, that's great. And I think, you know, a big part would be uh, starting with um, kind of understanding what are the desires of your heart? Um, the Psalm says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So as you abide in God, as you are seeking that relationship intentionally with God and walking with the Lord, God is going to give you specific desires. So that's what I call your holy discontent. In other words, the, a question that I may ask you is, what breaks your heart? What about this broken world what aspect of this broken world breaks your heart that you feel that you need to do something to fix it, to make it better, to change it, because you just feel like there's this burden in your heart? As an example, someone might be just walking home and they see a homeless person. Most people just kind of just not really think about it, just kind of ignore the person. But few of you who are listening, you're going to have this deep compassion, this, this idea like, I, I really want to help this person just because it is coming out of you and this compassion and this sympathy and you really want to get to know them, not only just to give money, but I'm like, build a relationship and make sure this person is feeling well. Mm. 
that's going to happen for some people. You know, for me, even the fact that I wrote my book, the primary reason was God gave me this holy discontent when I saw young people who had so much potential, gifts, and passion, but they're just wasting their life. They're just spending time in the wrong things. They're not being intentional with the time that God's given them. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they're supposed to do. And that really burdened me so that I felt I had to do something. And I, that's when I was thinking, maybe I have to write a book because that's something that I do well because I have a gift of researching and you know, curating and writing and all that stuff. So again, for any of you who are listening, what is that holy discontent? And if you don't know, a great way then that I would say is think about your life as a story and think about all the defining moments that has occurred in your life and start to ask yourself. And I would even, um, and maybe we could put a link, link to an exercise that, um, that will help you here. And it's yeah. a one pager that will help you graph your life story from positive moments and negative moments. And all of that will help you understand a specific uh, affinity to certain things or certain people, groups. And that's where God might be wanting to use you because that's part of your journey and your story. Yeah, that's excellent. But what about for the business owner or the... Um, yeah, the more established entrepreneur who maybe found this a long time ago. Uh, they, they've started to create something. They're starting to build something. Uh, but they're, they've kind of lost touch with that, that old desire. Like n- now they're just kind of in the weeds and things are turning. And, you know, they're, just, they're trying to keep up with building this business. I don't know. What, what advice or what... Um, yeah, how would you begin to coach them in thinking like how does what they're doing now tie back to that calling? How can they begin to to reassess or reevaluate where they are? That's a great question. In life, as as we get older, there's more responsibilities, there's more demands. And I think in our 20s and early 30s, we often have a lot of freedom. And as we discover who we are and have clarity around calling, we're like, okay. I want to be faithful. I want to do it well, but with life, it comes demands, you know, being a now a husband, it creates, comes with responsibilities. When you have kids, additional responsibilities, now there's a mortgage, there's all that things that perhaps might become obstacles for you because when you start on this path and you're, you're living in line with your mission, but when these obstacles and fears come your way, it's so easy to rationalize yourself and, and start to make some pivots and moves that's going to help meet the current demands of your life more than fulfilling the mission and the calling God's given you. Right. And after a certain point, you're like that frog in that water and start slowly heating it up and then you, you realize that you're dying. And I think that's often how people are living their life. They're just simply existing and they're not truly living. And what I would say to that is most entrepreneurs, they're very busy and there's nothing wrong with being busy. In fact, as followers of Jesus Christ, Jesus was busy, but there's a difference being 
uh, difference between being busy and unhurried. Jesus was busy. His, his entire schedule, like from the morning to night, he was around people, but he also had time to himself. You need to have very healthy rhythms of your life. Creating a rule of life, for example, I think would be extremely important to have boundaries. Because once the boundaries become blur and, and just become very just vague, then what happens is oftentimes as entrepreneurs, our work is life. There isn't like this nine to five environment. Every part of our life could become work. And with that happening, what happens instead of truly following our calling, we worship our calling, we idolize our calling, and it just becomes something really messy. So there is that that is happening, but oftentimes I would even say, create these healthy rhythms, have what I would call your board of directors, your personal board of directors, who are comprised of your mentors, your family, your coaches, people who could speak into you and challenge you and often engage in these conversations about your life direction. And they might give you a lot of good insights and thoughts. And if that's not happening, we are just so susceptible to our environment and influences around us. And we might just lose it and we just might hit a midlife crisis. <laughs> and then we might just feel like, okay, you know, how did I end up here? But we actually are the ones who are on this pathway. It's not like just suddenly we ended up here. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I love that reminder because as an entrepreneur, especially like when you, we believe in what we're building. Cause we, I mean, especially as kingdom entrepreneurs, like we're doing our business because we believe it serves a bigger purpose. We're helping, you know, we're helping people hopefully at least, right. That we believe in our calling so much is why we're doing it. And so we can kind of get caught up in just how fast can we grow and how much and right. And there's really no healthy boundaries. And what I love about that reminder of healthy rhythms is it doesn't mean you, you shouldn't be busy and working hard and intentionally, but it goes back to that. Like we interviewed um, Mike from C12. It's is, is, is the dashboard of your life. What, what's all on there? Are you measuring your health and your relationships right, and right. marriage? Right? Like, and if you don't take time to really, and I think this is the, the fall of all entrepreneurs or people in a hurry, right? Like we don't pause and take time to say, where am I, like, where am I really going? What do, what do I really want to accomplish? Not just in my business, but in my life. And so I think that idea of having healthy, I don't know, that's just a switch for me even thinking about that today is, yeah, healthy. It, it doesn't mean that I can't be busy, but if I'm in a hurry, then I'm all, I'm not allowing myself the time to think about the other areas of my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm, really, really good there. Uh, so we, we're, we're talking about calling. Um, we're talking about rhythms and, and healthy rhythms. You know, our audience is full of, like I said, more established entrepreneurs, more business owners. And so let's just begin to kind of talk about other things from the book that might be helpful. What where do you recommend as we think about discerning this calling, this idea uh, of not being in a hurry, but, you know, we wanting to be busy. Uh, what else would be helpful? Uh, I think, you know, a big part that I really want to emphasize is what are the, what is the understanding of myself? In other words, do we have 
a clear picture of our identity mm. because I know, and I, I am probably a lot of you who are listening, you're in a business, you're working uh, hard on, on your craft and that's great. And I, and I respect that and it's important, but I also have come across a lot of entrepreneurs or people who are just in the marketplace whose identity primarily flows from what they do. And that's a very dangerous thing because if our identity is not grounded in who God says we are, then it's just a matter of time when our work and our craft and the more successful it becomes, it becomes equivalent to my entire being, my entire legacy, my entire identity. And I, and I can't emphasize enough because of so much of the collapse and so much of the character flaws that have caused the downfall of so many entrepreneurs leading to um, dysfunctions in their marriage and their relationships and uh, in their spiritual life and, and so many things because they do not understand this concept of what it, what does it mean to be a child of God? And we talk about it a lot. There's, songs on it there's sermons and preaching on it but it's just in our head when it hits your heart recognizing that at the end of the day i am a child and a son and daughter of the most high king your craft and your business instead of becoming a way to prove yourself mm -hmm. and to compensate for your insecurity and to showcase that i am successful which is all about me, me, me. Now, you know, working on your craft and, and building your business becomes a true instrument to be a salt and light, to really serve people. Because honestly, I think any people would say there's mixed motives. Yeah, obviously I want to serve God, but also part of me is like, I want to prove myself. I want to make sure that I'm successful and show to the world or family or your spouse that I, I can actually do it. But the danger is once you become more successful, more successful, and you scale things, you get busier, then um, it's pretty much like you're building a house on a very weak foundation. And, and at some point, you're just waiting for the building to collapse. So having that strong foundation and knowing who I am, what does the word of God say about who I am? And that my identity is not contingent upon what I do, but is contingent upon just who God says I am. Differentiating that and having that true knowledge of the Lord is so important. That's a foundational thing. And this is a lifelong thing. I can't say like, just spend time doing this and you're just going to figure yourself out. But that needs to be the foundation on which we build our lives. If not, Honestly, it's just really hard to differentiate ourselves from, from being a Christ-centered or kingdom capitalist versus a secular capitalist. Mm -hmm. If they could spend as much as time doing philanthropic work and being selfless, but their identity is wrapped in the wrong things. Yeah, that word different, differentiation, I think that's powerful. I want to st stay on that for a minute because you're right, the best leaders, you know, and I think we all need to really strive to be here is 
being able to differentiate, to separate ourselves from our true identity and what we're doing. And so let's, let's just dive into that a little bit more because that is powerful. We talked about that, you know, in, in uh, again, going back to my pastoral days, like I have to di- differentiate my who I am apart from how other people are growing and what they're doing. And same thing yeah. is true in my business, it's like who I am versus where yeah. my business is going. And so, I mean, like how, how can we really help our listeners begin to actually do that? And I know some of them are doing this in, in levels, but um, as you're coaching, you know, those who are really beginning to get this, what does this look like? How can we help our, help our audience? Well, I, I honestly think, um, the path of self-development and the likes of Tony Robbins and others, uh, they, they're going to focus on, you, you, need to, you need to focus on what you want to do, you know, what your dreams are. And it's a very me-centered, self-centered approach. Mm-hmm. The problem is, once you build this empire, once you create success, and if something goes in a different direction and suddenly you feel you're being hit instead of your craft and what you it's like you're 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 synonymous to what you've created so you can't detach yourself from it which is very dangerous um instead i think what jesus said really is to crucify yourself and deny yourself is the the way the way it goes um we have to recognize that it's not about me like i'm not in control it's actually God who is in control and, and differentiating those two is very important because so often in life, we feel like we're in control, especially in a running of business. I'm the one who's hustling. I'm the one who is making all these decisions. And we often may feel like I'm the one in control. So when things go in an uncontrollable way, you're going to feel lost. But I go back to John 15, where it says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you're the branches. And no branch can bear fruit on its own. It must be abiding in the vine. And neither you can bear a fruit unless you abide in me. So recognizing, first and foremost, our posture and our attitude, saying that I'm not a vine. I'm not in control. I am just a branch. I'm nothing less. I'm nothing more. My wisdom, my power does not come in what I can do, but it's by abiding in the Lord. It's connecting to the source of power. It needs to be, that has to be clear. It's different because the world today, and the message I'm hearing is like, especially with entrepreneurs, you have to hustle, you have to hustle. Everything is about about what you do. And of, of course, the proverb says, you need to work diligently. There, that's very important. I believe in that excellence and diligence. But the problem is this idea of hustling and controlling your destiny, controlling your, 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 your future and all of that, that that's uh, going way up, uh, uh, you know, beyond. That's, that's not the way to do it. But for us to have a healthy idea, like I am just a branch, I'm going to do whatever it takes, fruit. but I, I must recognize that I cannot do it by myself. I must abide in God. And it goes back to that direction question that we talked about in the beginning, right? Like, am I, am I going in the direction where God has me? Because at that point, like he can increase the speed or increase the, the volume in which, you know, we, we talk about taking ground. How does that look though? Because I mean, 
you know, there are people who are just really good at building and bi- scaling businesses, a lot of our audience, yeah. right? And so um, it's not that, I don't want to say it's that they don't need God, but it, it's just a gift of them. Like they know how to grow. They know how to scale. They can blow this up. You know, they've, they've done this several times. So I don't know how, how do you distinguish that between I'm, I'm just gifted in this area of building and growing versus, but I'm also just learning how to just surrender and allow God to take control. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think there's a lot of gifted people, but there's not a lot of anointed people and gifted people. Yes. Giftings is important, but recognizing that at the end of our lives, God's going to, you know, there's going to be people, you know, what it says in, I think Matthew has said, you know, many people will say, Lord, Lord, you know, I, I believe in you. I, I perform miracles. I use my giftings to do a lot of that. But the Lord said, I, I do not know you. And I think that's most important is, yeah, absolutely. Leverage your giftings. But again, um, if you're leveraging giftings for the wrong motives and wrong reasons, and if it's not purely out of a desire to, to glorify God and to, to pursue him and to, to be used as his instrument, that slow, even 1% of that doubt of like, yeah, you're the one, man. You're the one in control. You're the one who did it. You're the one who made it. You're the one who be- became successful and rich. If you don't shut that off, more and more and more of that is going to be a prominent voice. Because people are going to be around you and they're going to be saying things like, man, you did a great job. That's amazing. You got all these awards. And, you know, they say in the book of Proverbs that the crucible is for silver, the furnace for gold, and people are tested by their praise. Mm -hmm. Tested by your praise. That's what it means is you're in a fiery trial. Being tested by your praise showcases who you really are. So if somebody praises you and the first thought is like yeah i put a lot of hard work and hustle into it probably that's a signal that something is not right i love that so i think that's that's key and i think just on practical level if if you are not spending time in the word if you're spending more time doing things and uh, and not prioritizing regardless of your occupation you must first communicate with God and walk with the Lord and with, without prayer and meditation upon the word of God, it's impossible to do that. So I believe if you're in entrepreneurship, if you're in consider yourself a kingdom capitalist, you are a minister. You're not just an entrepreneur. You're not just someone who, who makes a lot of money and helps, you know, people. And, but first and foremost, God has called you as a minister you're not traditionally a vocational pastor, right? But you still are a minister. And ministry literally means service, diaconia. So in other words, business as ministry, using that platform to serve people. But you cannot truly do that unless you're connected to the source of the true vine. That's so well said. We had a guest on here, Ryan Smith, and he talked about that idea of being pushed versus pulled. And, and to be pushed means you have a firm identity versus pulled is like, well, you can kind of be pulled in any direction. And, and as I begin to think about that, I'm like, you know, if we're being pulled by a future outcome and we don't know where identity is, we're really not free to serve people in what we're doing. 
Hmm. Right. But if we're like what you're saying, if our identity is secure, which I love, it allows us to serve. And that's such a great way of ministry and service. Um, It allows us to serve in capacities, which most people aren't willing to do. Right, because they're still worried about the future outcome. But what you're saying is, no, it do, it has to start with identity because we, as kingdom-minded entrepreneurs or kingdom capitalists, uh, like we're called to be ministers in yeah. all that we're building, and we really can't do that if we're still worried about the future outcome. Yeah, um, really powerful. Really powerful. Well said there. Well, what, so for a, let's kind of go both spectrums here. Um, from the begin or from a early entrepreneur or you know a i guess they wouldn't be millennials anymore if they're in their mid-20s right is that is that gen z now so we might be going we might be going uh in the end tale of being a millennial yeah so the uh <laughs> the the last millennials or the gen z you know they're still i don't know because i know this crowd so well maybe they're still being uh, their biggest thing is their parents and what their parents want them to do, or they're just not quite sure how to kind of break out of this identity crisis. And they're, they're seeing everything around them, the speed in which things are happening. What advice would you give them? Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's a big th- issue and it's real. It's, it's changed uh, the landscape and uh, of what this generation looks like. Challenges that they're faced have changed dramatically over a decade and I think you know most importantly is to is to trust in God's timing and and I think that's where ultimately ultimately what I would say is an average millennial or Gen Z are getting their influences through social media any type of media that's where most of their exposure is at and what happens is with the comparison, my, the you know, OCD comparison epidemic that's happening, it's creating a false narrative that what I see behind the screen is the reality when in fact it's just a highlight reel. And that's causing this anxiety, it's causing all that stuff. But I would say establish what Cal Newport says, digital minimalism not saying don't use social media at all. Definitely establish boundaries on what stewarding social media looks like in your life and spend time and really meditate upon what does God's timing look like? Because God's timing, he doesn't work in days or months or even years. He often works in decades. So, if you have an idea, if you have a dream, if you have a vision, it's going to take years, if not decades. But our mindset, it's so instant gratification, microwave culture, that this is the narrative we believe in. So I would just say, first, we need to change that narrative. We have to understand it's going to take time, and that's okay. God is going to use every part of that for his good. So resting in, and so it's a different, we're, we're living in a world where is the, the narrative, the philosophy of the secular world versus the biblical perspective. And because so many young people are having their exposure in the secular narrative, 
we need to be the ones and saying, hey, we have to differentiate, we have to give you the tools to discern how, how to say yes and no to. If not, we just become a product of this media that we're, right. we're just consuming. It's real helpful for even, I mean, for those of us who are maybe a little more established, be careful about the media you put out. Be careful about the narrative in which you're, you're telling, right? Because, because people like the next generation is watching. And if all you talk about is your success and you don't yeah. talk about the, the story and the, and, and the way that you had to trust God and, and getting to where you are today, then the only thing that people really see, because I, I am on Instagram, I am on Facebook, like they only see the success. Yeah. And so what translates in a young person's mind is, I just got to get there, right? Or, or that's, that's the goal. And so the, the end goal becomes success and not know, like the, it's the process. And I think most people that I've talked with that are really successful, really do enjoy, you know, businesses, ministries, they love what they do. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they would, they would never trade yeah. the process for what they have now. Right. I would say, yeah, I would, yeah, this is a good point. I would say that, hey, calling, when you say you found your calling or you've discerned your calling, if some of you feel like your life is just going to be just amazing from then on, I will tell you that's not the case. There's always going to be challenges. There's always going to be days where you're going to be feeling like, man, it's a tough day just because that's the world we live in. It's not a perfect world. Yeah. However, the difference between living a life out of your calling and not out of your calling is you have this unshakable confidence and peace that this is what you were born to do. And that is really your solid rock foundation. And I would just also say, meet people that you respect or people who could potentially be mentors in the same field you're in, who's probably or two decades ahead of you. And as you really build these relationships with them and understand their journey and their stories, it's never a linear path. It's like almost this weird path that, that, that may feel like what you're going. But for some reason, God uses all of that. And as you get more exposure to that, that's going to help you and say, wow, in my mind, I always thought after being 25, I become 30 or 35, 40, there's certain milestones that I want to achieve. But just to know and have peace that that may not happen, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. Mm. God will lead you. God is the good shepherd. He will guide you. But you just have to trust in him because the way in which he guides you and the path he guides you is actually the best plan. No, your calling is not necessarily a destination as much as it is what we said in the beginning. Who has God made you? Like, what are your gifts? What are your talents? To really, to really know that first. That's so powerful. So on the other side of the spectrum, someone who is in business or who has a business, um, you know, they're, they're a listener of this show and, and they're still trying to wrestle with like, how, how do I become a kingdom capitalist? How do I continue or to, you know, really see my business's ministry. Uh, I don't know what, maybe some struggles that you've seen or that you have in that and then advice that you might give to them. 
Oh, I didn't think anybody who's in the marketplace faces temptation, faces certain points of their uh, decision-making where they have to make a decision. And um, it's a gray area. And uh, nobody might know it, but they might know that's probably not what Jesus would have done or that's something that would, would really be out of God's uh, love. But because that might lead to more of a, you know, efficient path or more gains and profit or other benefits that may come of it, we could say, ah, you know, I could justify that. You know, it's so easy to do that. But really, I, I, I have to say what it means to be a kingdom capitalist is to be uncompromising mm. in your faith and your convictions. The moment you start compromising yourself what difference is that with other secular entrepreneurs who are trying to do good and make the world a better place how how what does it look like to be a daniel in this generation where you're going to be facing entire and risking your entire career on the line if you make this decision but you know it's the right decision do you have the audacity and courage to do that and unless you are grounded in who you are and and again grounded in your calling it's very very difficult to make that decision so i think uh being able to think about that and uh understand you know that that's just the reality and it's tough, challenging it's tough but when your character is there um you're, you're going to be able to whether through that process and, and God's going to lead you and, and he's going to honor you most importantly, because he's the ultimate judge. Hmm. Uh, I want to ask you this question. I don't know if I've ever asked this question. Your devotion just seems like a, your brother who's so rooted in God's word and, and is taking everything back that, which I love. What does your practice look like that for really taking in God's word, you know, from a very practical standpoint to help yeah. our audience, what does that look like for you on a daily or weekly basis? God's given me such a hunger for the word of God, man. Like it's crazy. Sometimes I feel like, man, like I'm a theologian, <laughs> you know, like I, I spend most like I just how God naturally wired me is I'm a lifelong learner. I've loved learning. I cannot go a day without reading. Like that's just how I'm wired. But um, just over the last couple of years, God has given me such a hunger for the word where when I read the Bible, before it's like, okay, let's check off the box. I've done my quiet time, but now it's like, I can't get enough. So almost people like I have to restrain myself not to read with when I'm around people. And I truly believe that that's not something that I just, this, this desire I just concocted by myself, but really God gave me that desire. The Holy Spirit gave me that hunger for to live into the word, to apply that and to transform myself, to become more like Christ. Mm. And there's so much character development that's been happening as a result of that. So practically speaking, every time that I could spend, whether it's half an hour, things like that, I always carry the Bible. I always read. And you need to understand, like you can read for breath and we can read for depth. And now I'm in a season reading for depth. So I'm reading the gospel of John the whole month, this entire month of January, I've been just reading the gospel of John. So I've been reading it probably 20 times now, highlighting, studying, reading commentaries. 
And I'm doing that because I want to not just fill my knowledge with the Bible verses, but I want that to be impacting my entirety of my life, whether it's my marriage or whether it's my work. And as I start to live that out, people are going to take notice. People are going to start to see that things are different. I'm different. How I come up is different. How I show up is different. I'll be cultivating more patience, more love, more joy, more peace. That's just the whole fruit of the spirit. And people are going to say something is different about you because the world cannot offer that, but you have that. And I want that because everybody has fears. They have doubts. There's an anxious anxiety, but there's something about you that is so different. Yeah. How can I have so that? Good. So I cannot emphasize enough. Time, spending time in the word is just so critical, regardless of what vocation you have. All of us, we're a minister. So good. Ah, oh, man. I pray. I love that. Like that you say that God's given you the spirit to desire his word. And so, uh, yeah, maybe that's a great a great thing there that we might ask that God would give us a spirit to really love his Amen, word. Absolutely. And be in well. it. Uh, brother, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so thankful for the impact that your book and your ministry has had on my life and the lives of the people that I've ministered to over the years. And, uh, and even now, you know, like now I actually get you to be on this show. So uh, really cool just how that has happened. Uh, tell our audience how they can get a hold of you or learn more about you, get the book. Um, yeah. and we'll get off of here. Yeah, well, my book is called Quarter Life Calling, Pursuing Your God-Given Purpose in Your 20s. But this is not just a book for people in their 20s, but anybody who's wrestling with this idea of calling. And it's a very practical book. Anybody um, would, uh, at the end of every chapter, there's activities, ex exercises that I hope uh, you could really go through and spend time working on because this is going to really help you understand yourself more in light of who God says you are and Anybody who want to reach out to me, feel free to uh, connect me on my blog or uh, on my Facebook or Instagram. Feel free to reach out to me on paulsone.org. Um, so happy to talk with you if you guys want to reach out in any way. Great. Yeah, I will put all that. We'll link all that in your bio, including the book if people want to go and get that. So thank you again, man, for, for being on here. Really appreciate your yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a pleasure. Listen, love what you're doing uh, for the podcast and just the vision God's given you. And really uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity to share my story and the message God's given my heart. Absolutely, brother. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this show today. If you want to learn more about our community, you're going to want to visit us at kingdomcapitalist.co. There you can find info on our private mastermind and even subscribe to our newsletter to get updates on new shows. And last but not least, land opportunities to get private trainings and coaching calls with the guests of this show. If you're enjoying this show, please take a minute to leave us a five-star review and also share this with a friend. We'll see you next time.